teacher friend. Welcome to another episode of Simply Teach, a podcast for teachers and by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. I'm a former teacher turned classroom organization and management coach. My passion is to help teachers just like you organize, manage, just love their classrooms. Each episode is full of simple ways to engage your students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. Because y'all, I know teaching is hard, but I am so glad that you're here. Hey teachers, you are listening to episode number 16, an interview with the teacher friend, Brittany Cox. Brittany's a second year teacher, so first year teachers, listen up. She has some wisdom and some encouragement to share with you. I'd like to take a quick second to remind you about Patreon. It's an online platform that allows patrons, which is you, to contribute monthly to the podcast and the blog. You choose from one of the three tiers, and depending on which tier you choose, you get additional free content from me. There's a $2 tier, a $5 tier, even a $15 tier. You can head to patreon.com slash a simply organized teacher to read more info and sign up to contribute. If you're not up to contributing financially at this time, no worries, but would you please do me a favor? Would you mind sharing this show with a friend? You can send it directly to them or post about it on your Instagram or your Facebook or put it in your story or send them a Snapchat. There's so many ways you can let them know about it. I would love, love, love you for it. In today's show, Brittany and I talk about being a first year teacher because she is so fresh out of her first year. She has plenty of practical strategies to share with you, as well as honest thoughts and feelings she had during year one. She shares something that she wishes she would have known going into her first year of teaching, and I can agree, it's something we don't always anticipate. We also chat about dealing with difficult students and how class builders and team builders and class meetings can help students learn how to deal with students that are difficult. And, of course, it wouldn't be a conversation with Brittany if we didn't talk about Kagan. I am the biggest fan of Kagan Cooperative Learning, Just a heads up though, before we get to the interview, Brittany had to go to a coffee shop to record the podcast because, you know, internet always wants to be a pain whenever you need it the most. So anyways, there's some background noise that you might hear. I did my best to edit it out, but I am just a one man show here. So this is what you get. Here we go. Here's my conversation with Brittany. Hey, Brittany, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Hi. I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. I met you, I guess, last year when I like randomly emailed all of the teacher fellows in in our district. Hey, does anybody want to come and meet with me and get coffee? I know. And I had texted some of the other girls and fellows and I was like, do you know who this is? And they were like, it's the Simply Organized Teacher. And I was like, oh, I already follow her. Okay. <laughs> She's not weird. I can go meet her. It's That's safe. So, so yeah, we met and just kind of chatted. Like I was just trying to get more perspective on first year teachers because that's kind of at the time, like what I was gearing my yeah. business and podcast and everything too. So I met you and I was like, oh my gosh. She's so brilliant, so motivated, so excited, and I knew that I needed to have you on the podcast to talk about first-year teacher stuff. So will you start out and just kind of introduce yourself to us, who you are, what you're teaching, your experience, all that jazz? Yeah, so my first year, I was a part of the Teacher Fellows Program, which so were you. Um, and so I was in cohort 24, I taught fourth grade language arts and social studies, and I had a co-teach classroom. So nine of my students had disabilities in reading, learning disabilities. Um, and that was really challenging. Um, my partner teacher's class had the dyslexia cluster. So also really challenging in reading, which is what I taught. 
Um, I teach in Kyle, Texas, which is actually where I'm from. And so it's really cool just to be like a part of the district that kind of shaped me and molded me into who I am as a person. Um, so now I teach fifth grade language arts and social studies at uh, a different school. And so it's been really cool just transitioning into a new grade and a new school and but still getting to teach what I love, which is language arts. So this will be year two for you. Yes. And that's why I was so excited to have you on because you are most of the um, I would say most of my followers followers are girls and they are like within the first couple years, they're either like brand spanking new or two or three years in. So yeah. uh, you just went through the teacher fellows program, which for anybody listening, I've talked about, I feel like on every single episode, I about teacher fellows, which is a program for teachers in their first or second year, uh, earning their master's, but also having really intense mentorship and somebody like walking with you each step of the way. So even though you're only going into your second year, I feel like as a teacher fellow, you have so much more knowledge and experience. Yeah, I was just talking to one of my friends from high school about the program because she is looking into doing it uh, next year. And I was telling her like throughout the whole program, I was like, they said it, I would be a third or fourth year teacher by the end of this. And I don't feel like that. Like I just felt like the whole year I was constantly treading water, but now that I'm done and I see other first year teachers or even second year teachers that didn't go through the program, I can see the growth that I had. I can see the confidence that I have just having that extra support, having those ideas to be able to share. And they truly do make you feel like a third or fourth year teacher by the end of it. So then what is like one of the biggest things you learned in this first year? Through fellows or through just Just teaching your first year of teaching? Honestly, I think I learned that procedures are really important. Um, I kind of just assumed coming in that fourth graders will know how to act and know what to do. And no, you have to teach them. But with that building relationships is so big and so powerful. And especially with my group of kids, they were coming in not knowing who was on their team at home. They might not have someone in their court. And so building those relationships with them was really powerful and really big for me because I can't teach them how to read or how to be personal in their writing without them knowing that they can trust me first. Um, And so having class meetings and team builders and class builders was really essential for me in order to build that classroom community but it was hard. It, I thought it was going to be a lot easier because we practice like class meetings with adults. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of easy for us to do it with adults, but trying to run a class meeting the first month with kids was really hard. And just having them open up and trust each other was something I wasn't expecting to be so hard, um, but so worth it in the end. I always think about like when I'm walking in the hallway with my class of like second graders and I see a fifth grade class, like walking down the hall. Now I get it. Fifth graders are like, Ooh, I'm the big man. I'm <laughs> like rules don't apply to me, whatever. But I'm always amazed at the fact that like, you've been in this setting for six years and you still don't know how to walk in a straight line. Oh, like I don't understand. I was laughing like to myself, but frustrated in front of my kids on the last day of school, we were going somewhere and I was having them line up and I was like, we're going to practice this again. And they were like, Miss Cox, it's the last day. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, you still don't know how to line up. And so I was laughing to myself, thinking, like, 
day one, I thought this was going to be such an easy task of lining up or transitioning, but they still have to practice and learn how to do it. Well, I think that's a really good point you bring up. Even on the last day of school, you're still practicing those routines because I think um, coming into like as a new teacher, you think, okay, well, I just need to practice it the first few weeks. And then if they don't get it, it's like a slap on the wrist or you're not following, like you're in trouble. But it's like, where else in life do we like walk places in a single file line, not talk, you know, like it's kind of a weird. Yeah. But I think it's so important that even until the very end, you're setting the expectation that like, hey, this is what the guidelines are. This is how we operate in this classroom. And we're going to continue practicing it until we can do it successfully. And I think it's just important for your students to know too, that even though it is the last day and we're going to have fun and make memories on the last day, like I still expect you, like you just said, those expectations are there. I still expect you to act how I've taught you all year and to show respect and to be kind to one another and kind to the other students in the hallway that are still learning and things like that. So I definitely was more lax with procedures at the beginning of the year. And that's something I learned very quickly not to be. Um, And so by the end, I just realized that, especially with my class, they needed so much structure that I was going to have to continue that structure until the very last day. What are some other things that you wish you would have known going into your first year? I wish I would have known, especially in the older grades, how big the achievement gap could be. Um, I knew that I was going to have a co-teach class, so I kind of had anticipated there would be some achievement gap. But even in my partner teacher's class, who I'm still responsible for their reading, I had anywhere from a first grade to a sixth grade reading level. Um, And that was really difficult for me, especially when it came to social studies, because they start Texas history in fourth grade. So there is no really differentiating the passages for social studies. So I had to do a lot more whole group, which I don't typically like to do. I like them to work, you know, in their small groups together. And so that was just something that I had no idea about. I was kind of naive. I had heard of the achievement gap, but I thought maybe it was just more within from school to school. I didn't realize it could be as predominant within one classroom. And so that was Mm -hmm. really hard for me coming in to have someone reading on a kinder first grade level and then all the way to sixth grade. And like, what, what do I do with that? How do I make sure that they're getting the same instruction and that they're being held to the same standard, but also meeting them where they're at. And so really for so me, you, sorry, go up. No, I think you're about to answer what I was going to really ask for me, just being able to like study the zones of proximal development. And that played a huge part in my research that I did through fellows. And so meeting the students where they're at, whether that's first, third, sixth, showing them where they could be, helping them get where they could be. And then once they get there, finding their next challenge. And that was really what helped me kind of motivate them and find them where they're at. I remember my first year, my exchange teacher with fellows telling me, um, I don't remember like the exact wordage she used, but basically like if a kid comes in below level, and still leaves below level, but has made growth, like that's still okay. I mean, I think your district or the state or all those higher up people are going to tell you now they need to be on level. But in the, in the reality of it is like, as long as a kid is making growth, 
that's, that's what's important. Well, and I had that experience too, because I had a student that came in, um, at a 38. And for those of you that don't know DRA, it's end of the year, third grade. So to me, they were almost on level being in fourth grade. And by the end they left at a 50, which is fifth grade level, which is where he should have been. And I was so proud. He had over a year's growth and I was so proud of him. And then during the summer, his mom called me and said that he didn't pass the star and she was freaking out and how could he be on level and not pass the star? And I really had to like kind of gear her eyes towards the fact that he had made a year over a year's growth, has dyslexia, has you know, other challenges that he's facing, yet still made this growth. And that the star I get is important, but we have to look at more. And so that's that's really what I focused on more for my students was, okay, you were here and now you're here. So see what you can do in a year. Let's think about what you could do in the next year. And that was really Mm -hmm. more powerful for them. I feel like. One of the things I remember my first year, not knowing going into it was that you served on like, not only were you a team member, like on your grade level team, but then you were on at our campus. It was like, some kind of, um, I can't even remember what they were called, like committee, which was like sunshine or technology. And then you were in like a vertical, like you were in all these groups that you had meetings for. And I remember being like, I didn't sign up for this. And that being like such a shocker to me. Well, and for me, I was on our writing vertical team, which was the focus of fourth grade, the focus of our school with the writing star. And I was like, I am so inadequate to be a first year teacher on this like team that everyone is focused on. And yeah, I totally understand. I did not know that that was even a thing. I just thought I would go in and teach and it would be great. That Yeah. You think you're just going to do your job, but no, there's way more to it. What are some routines that you would say teachers need to make sure they're establishing within the first few weeks? So for me, how I greeted my students was one of the first things that I really needed to focus on, Um, how they came in throughout the day. Where a student taught, every student met in the gym, and the teacher picked them up and kind of brought them to class. So that's kind of how I envisioned it happening. And when I got to my school, the students just came in as they got there. And so making sure that I was the first face that they saw in the morning was something that was really important to me. And so I had to teach them how to greet people. Um, What your morning is going to look like is also, I think, something really important. Are you going to have morning choice? Are you going to have a packet that they do? Um, Are you going to have everyone read for the first 20 minutes of the day? Just being able to set those expectations. I think coming in, I wanted this like organic morning and letting them kind of relax as they came in and I want that but because my class needed structure and I didn't have that our morning was always like really chaotic and so just kind of thinking about that I don't think teachers necessarily think about before academics start there's like that 20 minute window um yeah the first day especially and I think for the first week like knowing how your students get home Like sending them home is one of the most important things. And so making sure you know, like what your school's procedures are for going home. Do they all just leave together? Are you in charge of a duty? Like making sure that you know that. Um, And then I think like the expectations of how they treat each other, setting that really clear at the beginning. How do you expect them to talk to one another? How do you expect them to talk to you? Even simple, like raising your hand, like, 
because that's respect and things like that, I think are really important that I know as a first year teacher, I overlooked. And like I said, I kind of assumed fourth grade would know how to do some of these things. And so really setting those expectations strong and having a constant in that. If one student doesn't raise their hand, reminding them and showing them that this is what we're supposed to do. I also think this is the last thing. I also think that whatever your day is going to look like, typically starting it as soon as possible. Because if you go into the third week and then you're starting your routines, they already have three weeks of kind of being loosey-goosey. And so I'm, I know for me, we start on a Monday and I'm starting like my true routines on Wednesday, still filled in with a lot of class building and team building, but getting them used to, okay, this is how transitions are going to go. This is how writing workshop is going to go and things like that, I think are just important to start early. I think kids, especially the older ones, second, third, and on up, know how to hold their hands, know how, not hold their hands, know how to raise their hand and walk in line. But it's the setting the expectation of what it's like in your classroom. I think kids know how to do it, but they want to come in and test the boundaries and, you know, see how far they can get. And so I always started off the year very, very strict, like very high expectations practice things 10 times in a row because it was more important to me for them to know how I expected them to act than to just push it off. Well, and, and you and can't do guided reading if they don't know how to mm-hmm. work at a station independently or if they don't know how to transition. Um, I, at our school that I was at last year, they had us do these learning walks um, once in nine weeks. And so um, one time I had gone into a first grade classroom And at first I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to learn anything. Like, that's such a huge age difference from me. And literally she said, okay, give me a thumbs up if you know where you're going. And everyone gave a thumbs up and I timed them. And it was 16 seconds until the first student started working and 30 seconds until she was able to sit down and start guided reading. And they were all exactly where they were supposed to be. Kids pulled out um, like laundry baskets and got in them and did independent reading And there was one student off task and he was rolling on the floor, but not bothering anyone. He was still within his little yoga mat. And it was amazing that like a kid would finish a book and just reread it. He wouldn't come ask the teacher what to do next. He wouldn't bother her. Like she had set such clear expectations at the beginning. And this was the end of the year, but it was so apparent that from day one, she had set expectations of this is what it's going to look like. And it was really powerful for me as a first year teacher to be able to see that, okay, this does work. If you are really strict in the beginning and um, just really hold them to a high standard, they can meet that even in first grade. I love that idea of give me a thumbs up if you know where you're going. It was so clear. Yes. It was so simple, so clear. And then she was like, okay, go. And she just walked around, make sure everyone was there, but not in a way of, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you doing, it was, she didn't even talk to anyone. She just walked around, glanced to make sure and sat down. It was so simple. And so like, well organized. And that's something you can do up into middle school. Teacher friends, I want to take a second to tell you about my ebook, The Simply Organized Classroom. 
This ebook is full of tips, tricks, ideas, and resources for you. There's seven different chapters. Here, I'll read them to you really quick. First chapter is Looking Pretty, Classroom Layout and Aesthetics. Chapter two, The Simply Organized Classroom, Organization Tips. Chapter three, Establishing an Environment, Classroom Management Plans. Chapter four, Staying Sane in the Classroom, Establishing Routines. Chapter five is Taking Back Your Time, Time Management Techniques. Chapter six, Smiles, Tears, and Fears, Tips for First-Year Teachers. And chapter seven is Teaching Isn't Just in the Classroom, School Dynamics. So I talk about each of those things in the ebook. You can get it by heading over to the Simply Organized Teacher website. Click shop on the top menu bar and you'll see it right there. You can also use the code SIMPLYTEACH to get 10% off any purchases you make in the shop. Okay, you've mentioned building relationships and I know that's something that's really important to you. What were some ways, well actually first, will you kind of talk through, because I know people know what morning meetings and class meetings are, but we kind of talk through the structure of how a class meeting works the way we were taught through fellows. Yeah. So we actually go through the positive discipline book, which if you don't have that, you should get it. It's like a yellow copy. It has kids on the front. Um, yeah, it's a really easy read. Um, and it's, not something that you have to like really dive in deep. And there's specifically a class meeting section that you could only read that if you really wanted to. Um, but yeah, I just start out by day one telling them to form a circle. And it was really funny when I did it the first time because my co-teacher was like freaking out at just like the chaos and how I was just standing there. And she was like, this is not going to work. Like we can't do this every day. And I was like, just let it happen. And I really let the kids like figure out for themselves, like, how to get into a circle quickly. Um, And eventually it works. Like they get it, they'll figure it out. And really I just start by either tribbles, which are these little puffy little things that um, have different colors with feelings. Or I do, I have this feelings chart from Target that I got. So sometimes we'll use that. Um, Sometimes we'll just say like a good thing that's happening I know that some teachers do compliments and appreciations. Also, I had a student of the week that my students would vote for. And so I didn't do just compliments and appreciations any day. I saved that for Friday where we would compliment the student of the week or appreciate that student. Um, And so my students really enjoyed being able to kind of like savor those compliments until that day. Um, and basically we just go around, um, we say how we're feeling or how we're coming in for that morning. And then I like to go over my agenda just so the students know like what to expect that day. Um, and then we normally end with a cheer. It's really simple. It's 10 minutes sometimes. Um, but I also have had other meetings that took up my whole writing block, um, because that's what was needed in that moment. Um, and sometimes I know if administrators are listening, they're like cringing, thinking that I took instructional time, but I had a student in particular come up to me saying that she didn't feel safe in our classroom and that some of the boys are being really mean to her and she just didn't feel safe. And I kind of had done, um, like a takeoff if you don't feel safe type thing. And every single one of my students stood up and it was really powerful for me as the teacher to see like okay, they don't feel safe because of one another. And so now we need to backtrack and build these relationships again. 
And it took time. Like that took a really long class meeting. But at the end, like my kids were playing a game together and like willing to kind of mend those relationships. And I wouldn't have been able to have that meeting if I didn't start out with the basics of a class meeting. So I know a lot of teachers are thinking I don't have time to do them. Um, Really, it's 10 minutes out of your day. And then if needed, I would pull a larger class meeting. I started class meetings every day for the first three weeks. And then after three weeks, after we had the routine down, I scaffolded out to three days a week just to give me more time. And I felt like that was, you know, plenty. I wish I had more time, but for the time I had, that was enough. Mm -hmm. Something, well, for me, class meetings, like you said, most of the time they're 10, 15 minutes, just kind of like a quick check-in, but it gives the opportunity for kids to have that safe place to speak and have their voice. And um, this past year I had a kid who was like a really big issue in the class. People were having problems with him. And so I went to him. I can't even remember which kid it was right now. But um, like I did this survey with my class and it was all private, but it was like, name your, um, the three people you want to play with, the three people you want to work with, the three, I don't know what the third thing was. And then the last one was like, name two people you don't want to be around. And this kid came up on every single kid's paperwork. And so I pulled him aside and I talked to him and I was like, Hey, we did this. And like, unfortunately people like said this about you. Why, why do you think that was? And, um, we ended up having a class meeting about this kid. Like I talked to the kid about it before we, you know, but we were able to have a meeting and come up with ways that the kids could support that student in the moment. If he was shouting out or if he was saying something rude, the kids then had the language of how to respond back to him. You hurt my feelings. That is not nice or whatever, you know? Yeah. I had a very similar situation. Um, all of my students that were in my class for co-teach had learning disabilities, except for one. I had a student um, with autism and my students, he was the only student who was autistic that didn't go to our AU teacher. And so I don't think my students realized um, that there was kind of a reason behind his actions Mm -hmm. or his social skills. And they just thought, you know, this student is being annoying. This student is picking a fight with me. Um, And so it was getting to the point where I was sending other boys and him to the office for like starting physical fights in my classroom. And so one day I had called his mom and I was like, I need to explain to them what's going on, like why he learns differently. Um, And he happened to have the flu that week. And so he wasn't there. And I read them this book um, by Julia Cook, Uniquely Wired. And instantly one of my super bright girls was like, hey, that boy's obsessed with watches. Like our student is obsessed with what he was obsessed with. And it was really cool for them to make that connection without me saying anything, but then opening that conversation for them as, okay, you know, he learns differently than us, but that doesn't mean he's not a part of our classroom and we just have to be patient with him. And I was really nervous for him to come back because I didn't want them to be like, well, you have this and this is why. But immediately some of my like toughest boys were like, Hey, you're being in my personal space right now. And I need you to take a step back or, 
or when other kids in the classroom or not in our classroom were like kind of picking on him, they immediately like stood up for him and not in a way that they like pitied him, but they finally understood why he was different. And that's all because of a class meeting. And so I really think that in order for the classroom community that I think every teacher honestly wants, you have to build that time in that you're a part of also and that you are a team player in just as much as they are. Yeah, that you 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 hit it. What is it? Hit the nail on the head, like building the time in and setting yes. time away for it. And I know that's so hard, especially when I was in second grade, so not a testing grade. It was a little bit easier for me to find that time. But for somebody in fourth grade, like you were with three tests, like that's hard to find that time. But it's so important. And when I start my first year, I was in third grade. So I was in a testing grade. And so time was limited. So I kind of worked out a schedule where it was like every day at the same time, I was doing some kind of community building thing. So like maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it was a class meeting. But then on Tuesdays, we would do team builders during that time. And on Thursday, we were doing a class builder that time. So it was like a setup structure that allowed that like, I always had time for, but I wasn't always doing the same thing. I was getting, I was hitting different aspects of community building. And I think that's just so important for them to have that routine. Once again, that like, okay, during these first 10 minutes of the day or whatever, 10 minutes, we're not going to do academics. We're going to do something that builds our community. And they might not, you know, realize that it's team building on Tuesdays and class building on Thursdays, but that they know, okay, during this time, I'm not going to have to, read a book out loud. I'm not going to have to answer a math problem. I get to be myself and I get to hang out with my friends Mm -hmm. in a structured way. How does, I know that you are a huge Kagan person. You just went through fellows and uh, one of the directors of fellows is a Kagan trainer. So you get that training during your fellows year, but then you also got to go to Kagan Summer Academy. I feel like, are you friends with Dr. Kagan? Like, did he recognize y'all when y'all walked in? So... So when we first walked into the hotel, we were all like, cause there's like a, a little restaurant bar area. And we're like, we think that's Dr. Kagan. And so we went up to him and it was honestly so funny because crazy Brisa, who is, you know, one of my new teammates, she was like, Dr. Kagan, do you remember us? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and it was the most obvious. I don't know who you are. Yeah. And then we were like, Laura Duhon sent us. And he was like, didn't she retire? Like he had no idea who any of us were. And his wife was like, no, Laura from Texas. And then he was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) But still didn't know who we were, but we had all made shirts in fellows that said straight out of Kagan. And when we wore the shirts, cause we had worn them to the brain friendly teaching that he had done in February. And so when we wore the shirts, then he was like, okay, I remember y'all. And so, yeah, I think that triggered his memory a little bit more. But at first, no, he did not know who we were. That's funny. Um, okay, so for somebody not familiar with Kagan, will you just give, like, a brief, like, what it is? Yeah. So Kagan is cooperative learning is what the structures are. And there's tons of different structures out there. Um, And the way that we learn about it is there's a type A teacher that is a direct teaching. Um, You just direct whole class. There's B, um, which is group work, where ultimately one person can run the group and two or one people can not do anything. 
And then there's C, which is cooperative learning. And that's where everyone is working together. Um, you doing well helps me doing well. We are interdependent on one another. And it has, my favorite part is it has social skills built into every structure, whether that's taking turns, being patient, being an active listener. Um, but there's tons of different structures that you can put into place for anything. Um, and my favorite thing that Dr. Kagan says over and over again is why call on one when you can call on everyone. And that's exactly how his structures are. So for example, I might say, you know, who knows what two times two is, and I'm going to get a handful of kids that raise their hand, or I can turn to your partner and say, all right, you know, do a pair share of what, how you got to this multiplication answer or share with your partner um, where you are on your writing piece. Partner A goes first, then partner B. By setting up that, you go first and then your partner, you're able to make sure that both have a time to speak. That's just theirs. Um, and I started out learning about Kagan in my undergrad through Ms. Duhan, um, who's the national trainer. And I honestly thought, oh, I can take this stuff and implement it in my classroom, no problem. But I think now that I've had so much training on it, I wouldn't have because I didn't understand the why behind it or which structures go with best with which lesson. Um, and so really understanding the research behind it, it's the most researched um, thing in education. And so why is this so important and why does it work, I think helps motivate me to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's so true. Cause like my first year in fellows with Kagan, we would have structure yeah. of a month. So we would learn a new structure. Um, so a structure is just like a framework for how you have the kids communicate or interact with each other. So we would have this structure and um, that would be like what we were working on for that month. And so I was constantly like implementing new structures and using, using Kagan every day. Well, second year comes around year from hell. Um, I just like, I pushed it to the side because that wasn't my priority. Like I had to just manage yeah. my kids. Um, but when I would have those like moments of like trying a Kagan structure again, and I could see the flip in my classroom and the engagement, it was like, Oh, this is why I, this is why they yeah. teach us this. This is why we did that. I'll link to, I, uh, interviewed Dr. Kagan at the yeah. conference in San Marcos. Um, so I'll link to that in the show notes. So that way people can go and listen from the horse's mouth, like what Kagan is. I and will how tell you that if you are interested, if you're listening and you're interested, I suggest reading about it, researching about it, but trying to go to a workshop. They kept saying mm -hmm. at the summer academy that everything they do is episodic memory, meaning that it's like a, a movie in your head. So when I think back to a structure that I learned, I'm going to remember doing it myself and I'm going to remember, you know, how we were taught how to do it, not just reading it from a book. And I think that's so important because <laughs> I can try and tell, you know, my partner, Oh, this will work great with this lesson that you're doing. And they might try it, but unless they've done it themselves, it's really hard to understand why it works. And so if you're listening and you're interested, I really suggest getting a trainer to come to your district or going out there yourself. And there's so many workshops around the world. They literally do this thing called the USA tour. And so there's a workshop close to you. You can, I did a donor's choose and that's how I, um, the program paid for our class at the summer Academy, 
But in order for us to stay at the hotel, I did a donor's choose and they paid for a portion of the hotel. Um, and so I know that there's options out there if you can't afford to go in order to pay for them. Um, and so I really recommend doing that so that you are getting the experience of why they work. Yeah, it's a worthwhile yes. investment for sure. Like I was telling you before, I want to wrap up each of the episodes doing something kind of like random or fun or silly. So I found a BuzzFeed article with like 17 strange things teachers do when kids aren't around. So some of them were like really dumb, so I might not read them, but I'm going to go through them and you're going to tell me and I'll tell if I have a story too, if you do that. Okay. Sound good? Yes. This is fun. They put their, they put their feet up on their desk. I actually only did that to take a picture on Instagram for the feed up Friday. Of course. Of course. I did. I did that all the time. And you know what my favorite thing to do was like sit on the desk. Yes. And then kids be like, I want to sit on the, why can't I sit on the desk? I'm like, cause I'm the teacher. And I know. Not. I would always tell them that. Cause in the mornings they would come in and like just literally pop on the desk and I'm like, get off. And they're like, you sit on it. And I'm like, well, when you're a teacher, you can sit on it too. Why is that even a thing? Like, why do we do that? I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day, doing gum. Like, why do we tell kids they can't chew gum? Yeah. I was really big on letting my kids chew gum only because it honestly would let them focus. Uh But then when they would leave my classroom, I would make them spit it out. Yeah. Okay. They take a turn on the bouncy castle. Yes. I don't think I've done that. No. Did you not have bouncy castles at field day? No. They bend... They bend the rules on dress code. We didn't have a strict, super strict dress code. Um, sometimes I feel like I would try and sneak in some jeans, um, but we didn't oh, really. I for sure did. But we didn't really have a strict dress code. We did. I loved this. At, um, the school I was at last year. We had a walking Wednesday, and so on mm-hmm. Wednesdays we got to wear like yoga pants or like something workout, still school appropriate, and then we would take our kids and go walking but I would for sure take advantage. I remember that day I came and we videoed for Operation Organization. You were like, I'm really sorry. (laughs) This is my workout outfit for Walking Wednesday. Okay, they act crazy in the hallways. Yes. I have, I'm like, it's like Instagram pictures they're (laughs) posting, like with each of the things. And I remember like, sitting in the rolly chairs and like having races down the hallway. I had a student that I tutored after school one day and he was super into sports. And so in order for him to read sight words, we would kick a ball back and forth. And I just kept thinking like, there is a camera here and I'm literally <laughs> kicking this ball. And these people probably don't even realize that we're like reading sight words. All they see is me like kicking the soccer ball in the hallway. <laughs> okay. Number six, they pull epic pranks. Did y'all do any pranks? Yeah. So um, there was a teacher across the hall from me. He did resource. And then the other language arts teacher on our team um, had this yardstick. And we swear that the resource teacher stole her yardstick. And so he, like, made this, like, ransom page for her, like, looking for it. And we really think that he stole it. And so we would try and, like, scare him. But he ended up always scaring Sandra, the other language arts teacher, but we, us three, like really pulled pranks on one another. You've got to do something to keep it light. I remember one year for, um, what day is it? April Fool's yes. day. Yeah. I went and like, I printed off these like 
little bitty pieces of paper and it said like happy or like April fools love Kelly. And I went to like all my teacher friends after school, after they left and taped them to the bottom of their mouse so that when they like came in the next morning and tried to <laughs> use their mouse, it wouldn't work. That's that one was pretty good. Um, okay. They celebrate school breaks. Yes. Duh. You have to. They wear sassy t-shirts. Yes. Did you wear any sassy uh, shirts? I don't know if sassy. Mr. D is like a teacher that I really like to follow on Instagram and he has um, some really good teacher shirts. Um, but I don't think any like sassy. I do like teacher t-shirts though. I know. I never got any. I wore this one I'm wearing right now. Yes. And amen. I wore that one on the last day of school. <laughs> okay. This one. Do you have a dog? No, I have a bunny. Oh yeah. You got it. Okay. Well, this one says they bring their friends to help with their grading and it has a picture of a dog. And I do remember my first year I would bring my dog up to school on the weekend. My friend always brings her dog. She teaches in Austin. But then I got, not me, but the whole school, like, a week or two after. Because I saw other people bringing their dogs, and they were, like, walking around campus. So, like, two weeks later, I get this, like, mass email. Please do not bring your Uh dogs to school. That's, and I was like, oh. They catch up on YouTube. Yes, I really like watching YouTube. Um, Anything YouTube. Let's see. They eat teacher-only cupcakes. Yes. Yes, I used to love time. when other students they, would come in and be like, do you want a cupcake? I'm like, of course. Sorry. And all the kids are I like, know, we want one. They hoard the best office supplies. Yes. Yeah. You have, you have to, to take a little extra. They watch March Madness in the teacher's lounge. I wasn't really into basketball. No. Nope. Me either. We didn't have a TV in our teacher's lounge either. No, we didn't. I think one year we did, um, we did like the March Madness. What's it called? I don't even know. Like a bracket. Like, yes, thank you. We did that. We talked about doing that for like books. Like, what's oh. the best book? And having uh-huh. students like vote on the best book of the year. That's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Okay, the last one that I'm going to read is they get creative in the science lab. It has a picture of a skeleton with a wearing a wedding dress. <laughs> if I taught science, I don't know anything about science to be quite honest, but I feel like it would be really fun to like kind of goof around with the kids a little bit more and yeah. have that more like exploration. Well, and I feel like especially in older grades, yes. fourth and fifth, you can like be sarcastic with them in oh, second yeah. grade. I like, I remember when I first moved down to second grade and I like cracked a joke the first couple weeks of school and they all looked at me. <laughs> Just like, uh. so and I was like, mm, students, sarcasm. I like knew my kids are really sarcastic, but I don't think I realized how much until we had one of our red ribbon, um, like days was Jersey day and all my students were huge cowboy fans. And I grew up watching the Steelers with my dad. And so I was wearing a Steelers jersey and I had this student following me around with a trash can. And finally I was like, what are you doing? Like, go away. And he was like, well, I'm just waiting for when you're ready to put your jersey in the trash. And I was like, go sit down, like go away. And they used to just like rag on me all the time. But it was fun because then I knew that I could do it back with them. And it was like, yeah. super harmless and like built that relationship even stronger. Yeah. If I didn't have to leave the classroom this year for our big cross the ocean move, <laughs> um, I think I would have definitely tried for at least fifth grade and I may have even tried to go up to sixth grade I thought about going to middle school before I got the position in fifth grade 
Yeah. Just because yeah. I like, which is so crazy because if you would have asked me at the beginning of my like bachelor's degree, I would have been K through two. That's it. Mm-hmm. Don't ever ask me to go older, but I did my field-based block, um, which is the internship before student teaching. I did that in a fourth grade classroom and I loved it. Um, and so I can't imagine going below third now. Well, I think it's easy for teachers to be excited about the younger grades because they're sweet and they're loving and all that. And I definitely understand why teachers like shy away from the higher grades, but I, I feel like that's where we need even more like really passionate teachers. Like I feel like it's easy to be passionate about the younger grades, but those older grades, well, it's hard. I just realized for me that I like to be sarcastic. I like to goof around and I'm able to do that in the higher grades, but I'm also able to have more mature conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I had a student this year that had a really hard home life and I'm not even kidding when I would say we would argue like she was my daughter and it was just hard for me because I knew that's what she was seeing at home. And finally I just stepped to the side and was like, okay, education is your way out. So you either need to take it serious and, you know, let me help you. Let me teach you or you'll be like this, like this is how we're going to be. And I don't think I would have been able to have that conversation with her um, if she was younger. And so Mm -hmm. just able to really, build and now she's going to the young texas writers camp next summer and like she's you know wanting to do things that are out of her comfort zone because she knows that teachers are here to support her and i would not have been able to have those like harder more adult-like conversations if she was in second first grade yeah yeah Okay. Um, will you tell us where we didn't even talk about, okay. Tell us about your Instagram oh, yes. where we can find you. Um, okay. we didn't even go there. So my Instagram is coffee and literacy. It's all, and is all spelled out. Um, I started it just kind of like on the whim. I really, I tried to start a teacher Twitter. Um, and I just can't get into Twitter as much. I mm-hmm. like the picture aspect of it all. Um, but yeah, it's been great. I have really connected with other teachers. Um, right now I'm actually working with a fourth grade teacher in Kentucky and trying to figure out how we can, um, do like a lesson online together and oh, teach, you know, one aspect mm-hmm. of it and I teach another aspect, but do it together. Um, and so it's been really cool just to get new ideas and, um, just share together. Or if I'm having a problem in my classroom, I'll just post on there, you know, what is, what do y'all do? And I immediately get so much feedback. Um, the one thing I would say, if you're thinking about starting a teacher Instagram though, is not to focus on what other people's classrooms look like or the followers that they have. That's something that I definitely struggled with in, in the beginning. Um, and I've realized now that it's, it's Instagram. It is social media. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make mine look perfect because that's what we do on social media. Um, and so just being mindful of that has really been helpful this summer, but I recommend it if anyone's wanting to get started, it's a great way to collaborate with other teachers. Yeah. Come find us, follow us. Okay. Brittany, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking time um, to sit down and talk with me and share about relationships and Kagan and first year teacher stuff. So thank you so much.
What a joy it was to talk to Brittany. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I know that you found something encouraging in our conversation, and I would love, love, love it if you shared this episode with another teacher friend, especially a first-year teacher, because we can all remember how difficult those first few months are. Everything Brittany and I talked about from Kagan to the Uniquely Wired book will all be over on my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. If you have a minute, will you head over to iTunes to rate and review the podcast? Also, don't forget you can find out how to contribute to the podcast and the blog while getting additional content. Just head to patreon.com slash the Simply Organized Teacher. All right, guys, I will see y'all next week. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all of the show notes, links to things we talked about, and you can sign up for my email list there. Also, be sure to find the Facebook group because I want to be your social media friend. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com. 